Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Exodus, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, today we heard the giving of the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel. You can imagine this, this image that's pictured of clouds and thunder and lightning and trumpets and fire taking over Mount Sinai. The people standing there just watching it all happen. And Moses, you can just picture him, he just, you know, walks casually up this mountain to meet God. As you think about God giving these Ten Commandments to Moses, who then gives them to the people, which one has the most significance to you? When you think about all of them, which one stands out the most? Now, this isn't an actual test I'm giving. There isn't one right answer. It's just a matter of whether or not there is one of the ten that's maybe in your face more than others. Are you going to go easy? Say it's the third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. And because it's Sunday, the day that we take our Sabbath, you choose that one. Anyone? Yeah, is that what first one? Okay, no? Do you go simple and say the first commandment? I mean, after all, it does kind of set the standard for all the rest of the commandments. And really, when you break any commandment, you're really breaking the first commandment. Anyone? That was the first one jumped to you. Do you maybe go sentimental and say the fourth commandment? Honor your father and mother because you love them so much, right? Oh, that's cute. Or maybe you go with the commandment that you break most often or the commandment that you struggle with the most. Fourth commandment, honor your father and mother. Because you may love them, but, well, you don't like any of their rules. And you don't like how they raise you. And you don't like how they talk to you. And you don't like how they want to take away all your fun. And you don't like how they give you unwanted advice. And you don't like how they criticize your decisions, especially after you take their advice. And how they're always just right there around every corner. Maybe it's the sixth commandment, adultery. Because you are living in an unhealthy relationship outside of the bounds of marriage. And it's not pleasing to God. Whether it's with an actual person, a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, maybe a mistress. Whether it's with a, a woman on a computer screen. Or maybe it's just a woman who's walking down the street. Because our eyes do easily wander. Maybe it's the Eighth Commandment, bearing false witness, because you love to indulge in gossip, right? You love to start it, you love to stir the pot with lies, or 
You just like to spread things about people that maybe aren't lies, but they're definitely unconfirmed truths. Maybe you just like to start crap between people, and like a ticking time bomb, you're just waiting for it to explode. What is it for you? Maybe it's none of them. Because, well, it's really hard to choose just one. Maybe it's none of them because you're like, I'm a pretty good person. I mean, sure, maybe I mess up from time to time, but, I mean, like, God knows that I'm good. He knows my heart. And that's really all that matters, just being a good person. And that's what I am. Maybe you feel like the Israelites felt when Moses came to them and was telling them that God had given these commands for them. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. The Israelites were pretty confident that they were able to keep God's commands. Is that how you feel? Pretty confident in keeping God's commands? Even though they felt confident, it doesn't change how God felt about them. Moses told God, reminding him, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. The people of Israel could not come to the mountain. They actually couldn't even touch it. Why? Because they're sinners. And thus Moses was appointed, chosen, as their mediator, the one who would go between the people of Israel and God. He could enter the mountain and then relay to the people everything God had told him. The first time Moses met God was in a burning bush. And he was told to take off his sandals because the place where he was standing was holy ground. He was holy because God was there. The ground was holy because God's presence was there. Now, this mountain, Mount Sinai, is holy because God's presence is there. As he comes upon the mountain in fire. And the command now isn't, take off your sandals. It's, don't let anyone come near, otherwise they will die. God has now created this divide between himself and the people. Not that there already wasn't a divide there before, but he's going to take steps to make these official barriers, if you will. And you'll continue to see that as the tabernacle is built, as the temple is built. Not just anyone was going to have direct access to God. Remember, God told them to keep his commands. The people say, they will do it. But God knows they won't. And it's almost like God won't allow the sinfulness of the people to come near him, to touch him and his perfection. And so he gives the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel. And we might question why God gives these commandments to them at all. I mean, can't you trust your own people, God? 
Or better yet, why don't you just make all of us good, and then you won't have to worry about us? Well, he did make Adam and Eve good. We saw how that turned out, didn't we? Should we really expect anything different for us if he were to do that? But you're a good person, right? Understand, God wants the best for his people. He starts by saying to Moses, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of, e land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Here's the reminder. God's saying, I care about you. I want the best for you. I heard your cries for me in Egypt. And so I rescued you from the hand of Pharaoh. I rescued you out of slavery, out of Egypt, through the Red Sea. I gave you manna and quail and water. What do I want you to do? Well, I want you to have no other gods before me. I want you to have no other gods but me. I don't want you to make any images of any false gods. And certainly, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. God lays it out that he and he alone is God, and there are no other gods. Even if people make them, even if people believe in them, even if people worship them, he is God, and he is a jealous God. And what happens is this is like, this relationship is like a marriage, a marriage between God and the people, right? And in a normal marriage, a marriage doesn't work if you bring in a third party, you don't have a husband and a wife and then someone else to make your relationship successful. You have two people. We call that a couple. God doesn't want this to be a thruple, right? A three-person relationship. He doesn't want you cheating on him with something or someone else. And when God says that he will visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third and fourth generation of those who hate him, it means he's going to bring deserved condemnation for those who sin against him. Why? Because he is God and there is no other but him. And so if you are going to lie in bed with someone or something that is not God— there will be consequences. And likely what's going to happen is that the same sins that are done by the fathers as the head of household are done by the, their children and the children's children and their children and so on. Sins are repeated throughout generations. And if you don't believe me, just read the Old Testament. Each generation ends up suffering the same consequences as well. As King David later says in Psalm 51, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. We inherit original sin from our parents. Sin's been passed down through all of these generations, and we are born with sin. We are born into sin. 
Now, this verse is usually where we stop reading. But the next verse is interesting. It says, Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. God's commands are for the young and the old. Therefore the rich and the poor. Therefore the elderly and the infants, even in the womb. Now you hear that and you might say, how can a baby in the womb be faithful and keep God's commands? They can't even talk. And maybe that's the point. God cares about you. He wants the best for you. The law is good for us. It tells us how we should live our life if we want the best life possible. It keeps order. It keeps us from letting our sinful outburst destroy everything and everyone around us. But it also shows us our sin. Now, you may say, you know, God knows my heart. God knows that I'm a good person. Well, Jesus said, for, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. How do you feel about any of those things, which are evil, from that good heart of yours? No, you still think you're a good person? Well, remember, Jesus said to the rich young man, no one is good except God alone. Are you God? Now, you may do good things for people in the eyes of the world, but none of us are good. We're bad. We're sinful. We're evil. And we do bad, sinful things evil things. And that's what the law, the commandments of God, show us. That we break all of God's commandments. That we're sinners. And it shows us that we are worthy of punishment and condemnation for our sin. That we are worthy of death. And not just physical death, but eternal death. Hell. Now, we may not like to hear that, but it's the truth. Just like the truth of, is, of the law is good for us. We need the law. We also need the gospel. The good news that even though we are worthy of death, God does not give that to us. Not because we love him and because we keep his commands, but because he loves us. And Jesus keeps all of our commands, even when we couldn't. The gospel is what God has done for us. And his mercy and his grace and love for us are greater than the law. God gives us the law. He knows that we're going to break his commands. They're good for us. And we know it. And we still break them. And so we have created this wall, this barrier between us and God because of our sin. 
We can't come into God's presence because we are worthy of death. We are worthy of hell. And so rather than in giving exactly that to us, God sends Jesus. He becomes our mediator, our go-between, our advocate between us and God. And Jesus allows the sinfulness of the people to touch him. He allows sinners to cling to him and his perfection. He allows the sick and the diseased to be in his presence. You can imagine the woman who had been bleeding for many years. She believed that if she just touched a piece of his clothing, that she would be healed. And Jesus comes and he speaks on our behalf. And he speaks to God with the blood that he shed on the cross for us. Jesus is God in flesh. And rather than creating this barrier, this divide between himself and the people, because he is perfect and holy and everyone else isn't, he takes down that barrier. And he gives people direct access to God. Now this plays out when Jesus dies and the curtain of the temple is torn in two. This is the curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place. And the most holy place is where the presence of God dwelled. It was that one act that made it clear to God's people that now they have direct access to God through Jesus. And with that, there's no fear of death. They didn't have to worry about touching Mount Sinai and dying. They didn't have to worry about entering the most holy place and dying. Because Jesus took death for the people. He took their sins, their shame, and he died for it all on the cross. He did the same for you. He did the same for me. He died for your sins. For all the commandments that you and I break, which is all of them, he died for all of the commandments that we struggle to keep. He died for your selfish pride. He died when you think that you're a good person, or at least that you're good enough to merit, earn his grace and favor and blessing. For Moses and the people of Israel, God came down on that mountain on the third day in the sight of all the people, and he gave them his law. After Jesus died, it was on the third day that he came out of the grave. And his resurrection from the dead proves that he has conquered sin, death, and the devil once and for all for you. That's the gospel. And God shows his steadfast love to generations upon generations, even when they can't keep his commands. Because Christ has done all things for us. And his death and resurrection opened the path to eternal life. And the Holy Spirit carries this gospel throughout all generations, that all may hear and believe in Jesus through the Spirit's work in them. And the work of the Holy Spirit really caught fire on Pentecost. 
That's when the Holy Spirit comes, just like Jesus had promised, who now opens another access point to God. What access point does the Spirit open for his people? And that's the word. The people of all different languages were able to hear the word of God, the good news of Jesus, the gospel, in their own native tongue. The disciples weren't speaking some language that no one could understand. They were speaking the languages that all of those people all over the world spoke. And they had all come to gather in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Weeks. They came to worship God. And now they all could hear and understand. Languages that the disciples had never spoken before. But now they could, as the Holy Spirit blessed them. That work is carried on today, as you are able to hear the good news of Jesus, the gospel, in your own language. And God blesses you. The Holy Spirit blesses you. God gives you his word. And he gives you his sacraments. Even though you don't deserve it. Even though you don't keep his commandments. That's what we call grace. Jesus died for you. Even though you don't deserve it. Even though you don't keep his commandments still. That's love. And he rose for you just the same. And he blesses you. And your children and their children, because his steadfast love endures forever. And he wants to spend forever in eternity with you. That's why he's giving you the Holy Spirit, to believe in him, and to believe that there is no other God but him. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three in one. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.